Welcome everybody to the first episode of the podcast Generational Roundtable. My name is Jan and uh, with me I have Sam. Sam, how about you introduce yourself? Uh, sure, my name is Sam. Some people call me Samuel, but uh, you can call me Sam. I am a native New Yorker. I was born in New York. And let's see, I, um, I have a master's degree in mental health counseling. And I am currently a doctoral student in mental health counseling also. I uh, was born in 1962, which makes me a, a late, <laughs> I guess you could say, <laughs> a late boomer. I am still a boomer, though. So, um, so, you know, just having discussions about how my thinking as a, as a um, baby boomer might impact the way I see things. So that's a little bit about me. So what about you? And uh, I'm a transplanted New Yorker. I was actually born and raised in Bremen, Germany. Um, I have a master's degree in sociology, also English literature, but my focus is always on uh, sociology when it comes to any important topics. And um, yeah, I was uh, born in 1980, which makes me a Xennial. So it's a hybrid between Generation X um, and millennial, so Xennial with an X, and um, yeah, I'm also <laughs> really in between the chairs when it comes to this, and not just generationally speaking, but also when it comes to languages and different cultures and uh, different uh, academic backgrounds. So um, yeah, f welcome everybody to the first uh, episode of Generational Roundtable. The idea to this podcast came um, in a lot of conversations that Sam and I had in the past. Uh, we're also related. Um, and we figured out whenever we spoke about current topics that we do have different angles, uh, maybe because of our cultural background, maybe also because of our generational background. So we just wanted to share a little bit our views and how they differ and how we perceive different things and different topics on a daily basis. Also in our podcast with you. And for the first topic, we decided because of current events, we wanted to get an understanding of how we see the current protests that are going on and the civil rights movement. We asked ourselves, what do we want? And it really wasn't something that we could answer. If you may have these thoughts that you don't know what we all want, what is our common goal, uh, you're not alone. We weren't able to come up with something either. So we just wanted to share our thoughts with you. And we're trying to ask ourselves the question, what do we want? Have fun. Sam, how about you start and let me know, like, what do we want? What do you think we want? Or what should we want? Uh, the first, the first thing that I think is that um, if we protest, if people protest aimlessly without any leadership, without any direction, it accomplishes nothing. 
And that's basically what I see going on uh, around me. Um, that being said, I'm not sure at all what we're accomplishing other than some changes that I think um, were pretty good, but I'm not sure would last. Um, one of the changes that I saw that I thought was good is that um, for a moment, people seemed more unified. Um, and you have uh, people of all different backgrounds um, protesting together. And I thought that was uh, very much needed. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one positive. But at the same time, what happens if the momentum dies down? And right. um, without a strategy, I don't think that we too, too much can accomplish anything. So having said that, what do I think that we want? Um, I think that we, we are all social creatures and we all have a need for a sense of belonging. And I think that for too long, um, people of color have had a sense that they, you know, don't, for whatever reason, fit in with this, this, in this paradigm, this culture, um, no matter what. <laughs> it feels like, you know, you can do well, you can, you can prosper, you can not but it still seems like there is some type of um disconnect <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so so just a, a sense of belonging i think that the other thing that is extremely important is a sense of facing history and owning up to the history of this country um we often in my opinion romanticize um, the history of this country mm. not um, you, you know we, we, we ignore the negative and we um, have a tendency to just think of this as a line of opportunity but um, the opportunity costs are that the advancement may be done on the backs of other people um, regardless of, of, of race there always seems to be a need for an underclass and the, the, that reality needs to be faced. Um, we speak about an American dream, but until we begin to actually analyze how that could be a re reality for everyone, um, both um, politically and economically, um, we're gonna have some difficulty. But the bottom line for me is that in order to start that process, there has to be some uncomfortable conversations regarding um, regarding the, the the history of this country, the legacy of this country. Um, we have to, and we have to do so honestly. So, it, it so the reality is that you know you would have people say, "Well, I never enslaved anyone, so why should I? Um, mm, yeah, why should I have to 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 deal with it?" But there is uh, 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 such a thing as an 
it's an unconscious awareness. It, it is, it is it's trauma that is passed from generation to generation. And that trauma occurs no matter what side of the quote-unquote racial divide you're on. There's the trauma in all areas. And until we start to face those those compounded traumas that we might experience and um and 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 do so in a way that is honest and do so in a way that um that's difficult because we can't do so and shy away from the rough conversations the tough conversations i'm not sure that we'll accomplish too much of anything so we'll protest we'll you know people will protest people will um then go back to their comfortable lives you know when I say comfortable, I don't mean necessarily, you know, lives of of luxury or anything like that. What <laughs> yeah. I what I mean by comfortable is just what people are used to. They'll just go back to their life as usual, you know. And I uh, don't know if anything will have been accomplished. Um, so, so I guess the bottom line for me as to what I want is I want us to start to begin to have some tough conversations, and that's not going to be easy. Mm. Thank you. Like, I think before um, I'm going to share my mm. view on it, um, just to uh, share with you in the beginning that I think that we overlap with a lot of the thoughts that we have. Um, I just want to ask a few questions and give you the, the opportunity to um, answer and maybe go a little bit more into detail. Mm -hmm. about it so um what i have here i took a few notes right and you mentioned uh, no leadership and a, and a strategy um can you elaborate like in terms of if you think that um there's a there's a way of leading these pro protests or is there even a common strategy possible or what would the strategy be? Or even isn't the isn't the leadership and the strategy tied to a common goal? If there is no common goal, um, there's no real strategy because there's no goal. And uh, how can you lead if there's no goal? So yeah, um, I agree that there needs to be a goal. What do you think that goal should be? Or have you thought about what, um, because we're, we're trying to figure out what do we want in terms of, um, why are we doing this? You know, uh, why all this headache? Why, why all this discomfort? Um, what is the ultimate goal? What, what, do, what, what do we want to reach? Do we want equality? Do we want freedom? Do we want a, a, a system change? And, and if so, how would that system have to look? And, and can it be implemented via force or, or, or immediately? Or is it a process? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's, it's a difficult question. And it's a difficult, it's a question that I don't think that we will necessarily come to an answer to in a half an hour conversation because I think that it's a spiritual question. It's a question about spirituality. It's a question about um, inherent rights. Um, it's a question of 
when I say inherent rights, I mean human rights, you know, basic yeah, human yeah. rights. Um, and those human rights can't be legislated because they're natural rights. They're rights that we're born into because of our humanness. So there's yeah, no need not to... Given, right. Not given in this sense, yes. Exactly. Um, I don't know that you can legislate that. And so, and so therefore, <laughs> and so therefore it has to be a, 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 a spiritual um, growth process that we all have to go through. And um, I think that we're on the precipice of, of that growth process, that spiritual growth process. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if that answered your question. So, so I don't know. I don't know then if they, yeah. I don't know then. In, in, in the right direction, it's, um, you, you said, um, a couple of things that absolutely resonated with me, the, um, facing history. Um, it's so as a German with a, a, you know what? I think you can you can compare the history of the Holocaust in Germany to um, the abomination of, of slavery, uh, slavery uh, the dark stain on this country's history. And um, I'm still struggling to understand or to get an angle on if my country collectively has dealt with it properly if we truly understood what we did there, because these voices that you quoted, uh, I've never enslaved anybody, you know, why should it be my problem? These voices in recent years have been heard in Germany as well. Like I've never put a Jew in a concentration camp. Mm -hmm. Why should I care? It's the blood is not on my hands, but there is a, a collective guilt i think or a you know what no not guilt i think a, a responsibility mm-hmm. right. that and um to quote a good friend of mine dalvin he said germany's problem was we never fully accepted that we've lost the war that we went to war with a certain ideology on our banners and this we got defeated. This was truly defeated. We talk about the loss of the Second World War as a liberation. The Allied forces liberated us, which also frees us from the accountability of um, we were not the perpetrators. We, we kind of were the victims as well. And we got liberated by these dark forces that, that took over our country. Um, but these dark forces came from within. And I think the U.S. there, I see a lot of parallels that um, the the institution of racism where Germany's Third Reich existed for 12 years, the institution of racism, uh, of, of slavery existed over 400 years and followed by, by um, a completely oppressive system. Right. Uh, so the it's as American as apple pie. And I don't think the vast majority of people, so first of all, I think, I don't ever think the South fully accepted defeat and that these ideologies were, were wrong to begin with. And I don't think that this country fully understood that 
what it's done in terms of of the system that it created is was wrong um and everything has been kind of covered under the under, under the mantle of of silence and oh yeah it's been in the past it's been in the past but um uh, i don't think it's it's ever been fully been processed mm-hmm. you know? and um looking at the 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 history especially when he says romanticizing history um i don't know if you had the chance but we we watched hamilton uh the the musical right like artistically great performance but um just thinking about it it's like we have such romanticized versions of the founding fathers and what how this country came into existence and i'm, I'm quoting uh, run the jewels you're a killer mike um the song uh, where the hook line is um, look at all these slave masters mm. posing on your dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so the the vast majority of the founding fathers and the ones that we idolize and put on our dollars owned slaves and were completely okay with some people, human beings who had these, what you said, God-given rights. That these rights did not apply to some people, solely based upon uh, a few physical traits. That's and that's it. Um, that's something that we, I don't think we fully processed. And it's funny now that this country, um, that there's this whole debate about whether we should tear down statues or not, and uh, those are the same people that speak up against, yeah, we cannot, uh, if we forget our past and tear down these statues, and I'm laughing as a European, I'm like, these statues were built in the 20s and 30s (laughs) of last century, not even the century before. We have, we, (laughs) they're junk, they're badly made, they're not even historic in any sense, and this country cheered when U.S. troops tore down the statues of Saddam Hussein. Right. right? And if this, these rules of preserving history, even as a lesson, applied, um, why was the first thing that U.S. forces uh, um, did in Berlin when it was completely war-torn and already completely bombed to shreds? U.S. forces uh, took some dynamite to the the swastika uh, on the Berlin uh, Gate. Mm-hmm. They blew up the symbols of Nazi Germany. So um, we still have these symbols of of hate and destruction mm-hmm. and divide. And um, so it feels when it's when it's when white people put it there and status quo put it there, it's uh, history. And when uh, other people put it there, it's a, it's something that needs to go, and it's something oppressive, and that we have to cheer when it comes down. Right. Yeah, that is, that is interesting, and um, um, but you brought up some very interesting points. Um, well, first of all, let me give you my my thoughts on tearing down statues. Um, my thought is that. the legacy of Native American people in this country and the legacy of Black people in this country has been effectively erased. So if that legacy 
was torn down by those who were here and replaced by a legacy of of uh, of slave slave to master uh, relationship, then I think that just as the legacy of Native American and Black people has been um, um, glossed over, painted over, whatever, taken down in whatever way you want to, um, then I, I, I personally don't have a problem with the, the um, statues that represent oppression um, come, come, come down. But at the same time, doing so without actually talking through it means nothing. So we take, take statues down and we don't process it, process why it matters, why, you know, why, we, why, why we're doing this, why we need to do this, how, how history has been adulterated um, anyway then then we're not really accomplishing anything and that's and that's kind of what i mean by we have no strategy or no leadership we have sure. no one to actually address these these important questions so i don't know if there is is a point in doing so without actually processing it so that's that's the that's my thought on on tearing statues down um it's uh, just to, like, you know, when you talked about this, especially the Native American aspect, I think nothing is more a, a like, insult to injury than Mount Rushmore, you know? Right. Where, um, like, the, the Black Hills, like, sacred land that had a spiritual meaning for thousands of years for these people. And then their sacred rock is being destroyed mm -hmm. to have the same slave masters <laughs> uh, and uh, and carved uh, there. And it's um, um, yeah, it's hard. Like yeah, but you know, it's um, um, taking dynamite to that wouldn't wouldn't change it either um, because it would be a forced change that wouldn't reflect more the common the common regard in this sense that you know there's no status quo it's like these are still the the idolized romanticized founding fathers and presidents you know right so those are good people this is what like and and idolizing this is is patriotism um and you cannot question that and it's um it's hard lately. I've I've seen so many parallels in in the rhetoric and the propaganda at the moment that mm -hmm. is happening, right? To what happened in the twenties and thirties in my own country, and I know we have done these these Nazi comparisons to a point where it's where people scream about it, but there is a certain rhetoric, use of words, and 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 blind follow following to obedience that is they're extremely strong parallels right and um you know just um it's funny like a lot of the things that you said are in line with what i thought about it so i thought there are things that i want 
right? Right. How, what I would want in terms of this society, I, it's, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's honestly more Christ-like. If we had structures, if we were able to find structures that would not conflict with Jesus's teachings in terms of, of kindness, forgiveness, care, and love for one another, we have created social structures that are counterproductive towards these goals, that make it harder and not easier in many ways. So however that might be, I cannot give you a, a, a blueprint of the society that I would want. And I think it's almost impossible to, to answer that question. But the question was not what I want, but as Jan want. I'm not even sure exactly how I would want it to be organized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this is now from, from speaking as a sociologist, like I should know a thing or two about how to structure society, right? How, how community can work, even in an economic sense. I have a, an idea or two of that I can share, but the question was what, what we want, right? right? So it's not me protesting out there. It's, it's millions of people in this country who are, who are protesting, who are aggravated, who, who want change. And the problem is that it's an, every person has a different stage of development in terms of a spiritual process and intellectual process of understanding what is going on. What we do all have in common is this feeling something is not right. There's injustice and this has to stop. But this is not a, it's reactive. It's not proactive. It is, and the problem is, yes, so we all feel injustice and we all feel that we are on the right side because we are against injustice. But being against something is not enough because being against something is, is doomed to be the opposition against the status quo. Mm-hmm. And has in its nature also the the possibility of destruction because it is reactive and negative in its nature. Right. You cannot um, you cannot run a campaign. So you've seen basically like when you look at the election and everything. Now the whole campaign is anybody but Trump. We had the anybody but Bush before, but that is not that is a negative reaction to something that is not a positive exactly uh, constructive like forget all this like and it's it's the negative of something negative right right there's there are destructive oppressive forces out there and and, and all we have in common is that we're against it right. but that doesn't make it in any way constructive or or positive two wrongs don't make a right in this sense right so in terms where I see what we could do is really focus on I think it's, it's so we do need people to give the signal that we are fed up and this is not okay 
the, the protest, I am absolutely for them. And I think it is, it is good to set a signal. But we have to, and I think this is another way, like I, when I was younger, I idolized revolution in a lot of ways. I, I, I was a huge fan of Che Guevara. Mm-hmm. Right. Because so when you read his history, this was an educated man. He was a, med- he was a medical doctor. He was a brilliant man, very intelligent. And he was kind. And what broke him and what turned him into a rebel was the, the suffering of others. He, visit, he drove through, I think he was Argentinian, but he visited all the Central American countries and saw the poverty and the sickness and the, 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 the hardship that was raging there. And a lot of it was caused by American industrial imperialism. Right. And he saw that this system of capitalism, unregulated, regulated still in the US, but unregulated anywhere else, a system of perpetuous greed that can never be satisfied, where there is no end to it, in, with a contradiction built within itself, that it, the whole system grows or is built upon exponential growth, but is, has as its core principles the scarcity of resources. The whole principle of supply and demand is, is based upon there is limited, there are limited resources and that determines the price. But this can go on forever. It, it's, it doesn't work in itself. However, the, when I, I understand what broke this man in terms of, of when he had enough and I idolized in my youth that strength and that he changed everything and that he tried to do it by force. And I understand now that you cannot force people to mm-hmm. understand. Right. You can, there is, you can implement all these structures and force people to share and with, but you will just copy again, the oppressive uh, structures that we are suffering from right now. Right, right. One thing that absolutely, and it's, it's a thing we actually, and it, it's, we have to regain um, democracy. And one big thing that I saw is, is, is that democracy, the way it is today is in politics, is just a reflection of our economy. Economy has taken over democracy because, but when you look at the way the economy is, there's no democracy. It's a hierarchy. It's feudalism. It's a dictatorship in some companies. You, as an individual, have no say, <laughs> unless you own stocks, but I'm putting this in, 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 in quotation marks here. Uh, <laughs> you don't really have a say either as a small shareholder. We, and this is something that dominates our lives. The way the, our work is a third of our day in theory and practice is its way, it's even more. It dominates everything. So everything that dominates our income or livelihood is based upon a system that is not democratic. Right. And 
I think a lot of the things that we're protesting in these, so the system that is at the core of what we do is not democratic. It's a system of, of numbers where human lives always had a price. And we act as if, as if they don't. Slavery has not stopped. It shifted, it rebranded. The prison system is, you can absolutely calculate how much it, uh, human life is worth and how much it brings in terms of money. The or our entire healthcare system, you can calculate how much a human life costs completely. And so as long as we live in a society where this is possible, we cannot claim that we've overcome the shackles of slavery. And for the, and for the ones, so if we are now protesting, if, if, if people of color are protesting for the same equal rights as their white brothers and sisters out there, and then when you look at it through a magnifying glass and look what rights do these white brothers and sisters have, they just have shinier shackles on their feet. Right. So, but do we want change? I don't know. Maybe yeah. some people, all they want is shinier shackles. Right. And, and, that, and that is, that is a, a, an extremely insightful statement. And, and I think that if that is the heart of why we're protesting, then I think that we're approaching things from a flawed perspective but unfortunately i i do think that that <laughs> the mindset of, of people and 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 that's why i say we need we need effective leadership and i guess leadership comes in the form of um thought and guidance the, yeah. yeah, the ability to think through a, a strategy and not react. Um, a shift away, I think it's uh, what, what we need collectively is a paradigm shift. Exactly, yeah. So we, we um, and we can do so, we can do so if we, if we have the courage to, to begin to think in new ways. Um, thinking in new ways is is not easy because it can be it can feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if we think of this not as a, um, a, a an issue of race, but rather an issue of economics, an issue of yes. of a spiritual issue. Mm. Uh, how do we connect? connect the, the 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 notions of economics with the notion of proper spirituality how do we connect the notions of proper spirituality with um, political choices that are viable um, all of these things have to be considered in a broad on a broad scale even before we start to to come down to individual wants and and you know you know what you know can think about what we want from from this protesting i think there needs to be a macro vision of of how all of 
those principles that I, I mentioned interconnect with one another. And I, I don't know that, I don't know that the, I mean, you can correct me if, if, you, if you disagree, you can let me know. I don't know if the average person is going to think about it that way, but that's fine because everyone is where they are. And, and, and I believe that eventually there will be spiritual growth um, uniformly. However, mm. um, you know, it, it's possible that these types of conversations can be had, you know, among, among some people who, who can, who, who can progressively focus on some of these, these, these thoughts. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but that's, that's what I think. You know, it, I don't, it's great. So it sounds yeah. to me, sorry to cut you off, it sounds to me that we are failing because we are trying to see all these things separately. We yeah. are focusing on race, we're focusing on economics, we're focusing on our own uh, path, we're focusing on, on uh, the uh, money, we're focusing, so we're tackling all these problems separately. Yes. However, everything is, is interdependent and connected and i think and one thing just to pick up on what i what i realized is that the revolution and forcing it upon a structure i've i've studied it and i cannot name one revolution that succeeded that hasn't either turned on in itself so there's the uh, the, the the beautiful saying every revolution will eat its children Okay. Look at the French Revolution. Look at the the um, uh, the Cuban Revolution. Look at the Russian Revolution. Look at the Chinese uh, Communist Revolution. Um, <laughs> look at what the Nazis did. It's any overthrow, any revolution is forced change that is not organic and doesn't come from uh, within itself. And I understood one thing that the only, the only place to start, and it's very, in this thing uh, regarded, it's, it's very spiritual. Change comes from within yourself. Yes. You cannot change this entire world. You have to lead by example. You have to change. You have, we, the, what, and this is, this is the way I see it. Yes, these protests as a signal, as a, it is, you know what, it is good as inventory, the same way, so it's social inventory. So thanks to Trump, we all know how many people are there who are blindsided by so many things. And thanks to these protests, we also know how many people are there who are basically willing and wanting a change. Where they are in terms of a development, understanding it, spiritual growth, or whatever, that is on a very personal individual level. But I think it is a good way to see that there are more people who are at least open right. for a new path, who have the sense of that something is not right, it's not working, we need to change. And nobody has the answer, but I think this has to come from within ourselves, mm -hmm. that growth. And, I, and the what you mentioned, the spiritual, the spiritual component is very, very important to, in order to guide it. Otherwise, like everything else, we try to be guided by everything else and it didn't work. <laughs> How would you suggest um, fostering that, that individual growth process? I mean, I, I, you know I, 
first I agree with you. It, it's not something that can be forced. Forced, but how can we cultivate it? Is there a way to cultivate it? I don't know. I'm curious. Sam, and that is a great question for the next episode. Okay. How how do we cultivate this spiritual growth? Um, we've been on on separate paths, but on, on spiritual paths where I I'm far from having any answers or haven't found like the fundamental truths but i've seen changes in my life positive changes very constructive changes and um maybe for the next time we can we can share these these um uh experiences with one another sure that that sounds good to me i think that over the past 10 years i've i've done a lot of I've 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 encountered a lot of spiritual change within myself, um, and sure, I'd love to to talk about it <laughs> and share it. And and I agree that all of this is an individual process. So I think that just sharing our processes, our sharing our experiences, sharing our journey with one another might be a part of what what helps us to to cultivate the spiritual, the collective spiritual growth. And so, yeah, I'd love to do that next time. Awesome. So, so to our listeners, next time, a little bit more about spiritual growth. I think, Sam, any last words? Um, the last words I, I would say is that, um, is that our in, individual spiritual growth is definitely paramount. Um, in in the in terms of this process of of human 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 development and human evolution, for lack of a better word, I, I don't know if I like the word evolution, but human growth. And um, so, the more that we focus on on how we see things individually, um, outside of the the collective need to to protest, is just, is just as much important, if not more important. I would say much more important. Uh, so that's that would be my last word. What would be your your last word? You know, absolutely. And I think the the journey starts, or the journey of change really starts within ourselves. And the keys of our <laughs> simple as it is, if it's not kind, if it's not constructive, if it's not motivated and powered by love, it has to be the wrong way. And it's it is constant correction mm -hmm. of ourselves that really it's it's it sounds so very simple but the execution and sticking to it on a daily basis is the true challenge right i don't know if i would say it has to be the wrong way but i'd say i'd say that um and and, and the reason i said is because people are where they are and and but we need to collectively grow and i think part of the process is allowing people to be where they are but we can uh, we can still have that conversation about how we can how we can because love love is something that is intrinsic it's something that is spiritual it's something that grows from within not right. from without so um yeah we can um so I agree with you, and we, we can uh, continue the, the conversation in the next, uh, next time. Until next time, to all our listeners, stay safe. Yes. And to one another, love one another. And until next week, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.